Awesome. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for an incredible morning. It's beautiful. Uh, we know that winter is, uh, is, is waning away and spring is coming. God, we're thankful for an incredible evening last night at Regal Cinema here in Natomas. So many adventurers and people from our community had a great night. And Lord, we, we believe that song, We Need You. We need you because we want to enjoy the life that is truly life. We want the abundant life now and in the life to come. And we just acknowledge your spirit is here, and we ask that you would speak to us specifically about perhaps one thing we lack in our following Jesus. Jesus, please speak to our hearts today. If you agree with that, just say amen. Amen. All right, as you're seated, reach out and say, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. We are in our second week of Building a Life Worth Living. It's a new series trying to capture some of the key values that Jesus taught. Last week, we taught on the value of setting a miracle in motion. And this idea was the value of what you think is nothing, God thinks is something that he can turn into everything. What you think is insignificant, God thinks is very significant, like that boy with two barley loaves and a few fish. God multiplied that. And the idea is that what you think is nothing, God thinks is something. And what we were trying to do is help you think in terms of abundance thinking. Our nature, our default human nature, is not to think abundance. It's to think, anybody remember? Scarcity. (laughs) We'll never have enough. We don't have enough time. I never sleep enough. You know, that kind of. Moms, you get to say that one. So this morning, I want to talk about another value that Jesus really challenged his disciples with. It was this value of trust. Anybody have trust issues? Anybody have trust issues with the dentist? Yes. So last couple of weeks ago, I had a dental appointment. It's kind of a upper end dental appointment, required surgery. The, the surgeon said, hey, listen, what we're going to do, we're going to drill through your jaw. We're going to lift your sinus. I'm going to take some cadaver bone, hammer it in there with a mallet. And during the surgery, he says to me, you remember the mallet, right? And I'm like, kind of, kind of, kind of. And it worked. It worked. But I was nervous. In fact, he said, do you want to go to sleep or do you want to be wide awake? I'm like, wide awake. <laughs> Don't put me to sleep. And he said, uh, the only thing I did is I kept my eyes closed because I didn't want to see what they were seeing. I didn't want to see their eyes or their expressions. In fact, there was a little moment during the surgery that there was a little tension. You know, the staff was kind of bickering at each other. And I want to say, hey, relax, man. Your, your hands are in my mouth. Let's, get, let's bring it together right now. Trust issues. Do you have trust issues? What are your trust issues? Let's have a little fun. I'm starting to get ready for tonight's dodgeball event. I participated in the last one, and it was fun hitting those middle school and high school kids. A blast. And I'm going to toss a ball out, and I want you to tell me what it is that maybe you have a trust issue over. Okay, this first one's going to Mr. Pitts, principal of Natomas High School. Here you go, Mr. Pitts. All right, bad pass. Here's another one. Do you trust me to do better? Here you go. Pitts, get in the ball. All right, second one is going to Jason Cooksey. Jason, coming to you. Tammy, watch your head. All right, here we go. Oh, my gosh. Michelle, are you okay? All right, Mr. Pitts, trust issues. Give us one. Well, 
Yeah, there's a good one. Toss it back here, Mr. Pitts. I trust you. Yeah, look at that. Nice arm. That's yours, Lindsay. Hang on to it. All right, Jason, what do you got? All right, Michelle, what do you got? Trust issues. She, she doesn't trust the doctor. Jason? I don't trust my jump shot. Yeah, come on, dude. You can hit me. Yeah. All right, that's good. Do we have medical staff in here? Just a quiz question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Lindsay Ladd, trust issues. You got one? Management. Management. All right. Jackson, Scott Matthews, do you have a trust issue? <laughs> trust issue. David Aldredi, you're next. Diane, guard your face. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. Bad pass. Get that to David. Go ahead. Trust issue. Huh. Yeah. The car line. All right. Already. What do you got? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Um, who else should I pick on? We need a catch, don't we? All right. I'm going to have a little fun. Well, I can't. I have a little fun. All right. Scott. 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 Right? Here you go. Yes, sir. There you go. All right. Good. What do you got? Trust issue, Scott. Strangers, yes, Scott. It's our second week meeting each other. Sorry about that. Here you go, bud. Great to have you. Oh, ha. Let's try it again. Double pass. Yes. Does that still count? Trust issues. So, was that fun? Are you up? Okay. Trust issues. So, today we're going to look at how we develop our trust. And I hope that today speaks to you, genuinely. This passage spoke to me this week, big time. And uh, I'm proud to be able to share it with you. How do we set trust in motion? Let's read this narrative. When I get to the red, would you join me? When I get to the red, would you join me? Okay, here we go. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. You get that? You're with me, right? Okay. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus looked at him and loved him. Here's what I believe. This morning, Jesus looks at you and loves you. He just loves you. The question is, is that enough? Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. That's not what I had in mind. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So what is Jesus trying to say to us here today? I think it's profound. I think it's riveting. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. A lot of wealth in the first century at this time. People actually considered prosperity a sign of God's blessing. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. 
By the way, Northern Californians, we're all rich. If you live in California, you're rich. <laughs> you might be moving here shortly, you're still rich. <laughs> the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. And we believe a person is saved by, by, by grace through faith. It is our faith in Jesus Christ that gives us eternal life. Faith alone. But what is he saying to this young man? Because this young man had a lot of potential. Here's what I think we have to consider in this passage, is that the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. What is it that masters you? What is it that you consider master or Lord in your own life? What is it that to you might be, to others might be nothing, but to you it's everything? What is it? The one thing you lack. That one thing was his everything. Do you have an everything that keeps you from fully receiving him? What's your everything? The one thing we secretly worship more than him, it might be a relationship. You're in a relationship and it's everything right now. Or it might be a child. Do we live in a culture that worships children? Teenagers, young adults? Absolutely. It might be a career. Might be a reputation. I, I admitted to my staff, I think that can be my one thing, my reputation. It might be a retirement plan. It's kind of quiet in here. Is everyone together? Everyone's up, all right? So what I want to give you a heads up, this, is, this passage is not about your stuff. For this young man, it was about his stuff. This is for you, it's that one thing that you've made your everything. And for everyone, it's different. Step number one. To set trust in motion. This is where we go. Pursue the meaning of life. Take the first step of trust. This man, he, he had the right, the optics are, are perfect in this narrative. I mean, he did everything right. He ran up to him and fell down on his knees before him. I mean, what, what's a better first impression than that? He makes a great first impression. You know how important first impressions are, right? They're, they're important. He does great there. He says, teacher, all these I've kept since I was a boy. The guy was a rule follower, a rule keeper. Honestly, how many of you are rule keepers? You follow the rules, right? We got a lot of rebels in here. Not many people raised their hand. He, he, everything was right. He gave the perfect performance, but there are limits of emotions. He had a perfect record. Did he? you remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus qualified what it meant to murder. He qualified what it meant to defraud. Did he have a perfect record? Thirdly, he needed to grasp a simple faith. He needed to grasp the freedom of trust. See, in the narrative, it begins by saying, and Jesus went on from there. First verse in chapter 10, Jesus went on from there. Where did he go on from? He went on from his teaching on what a person looks like that inherits the kingdom of God. And what does a person look like that inherits the kingdom of God? Do we have one in here right now? A little one? Do we have any little ones in here? There, we got a couple right there, my nephews. Connor, come on up here for a minute. Connor or Caleb, come on up here. Connor, come on up. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, 
Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a child who will never enter it. Come on up. Come on up, boys. Yeah. This is the kingdom right here. Jesus said, this is how you have to be, right? Right like this. Kingdom, right? How many of you adults would do this right now? Just come up on my lap. Not going to happen, right? They're kids. They're willing to do this. They're moving close to me. I'm excited about it. I told them I'm preparing to toilet paper their home. <laughs> Love you both. Jesus says, here's the deal. Jesus says, here's the deal. You, you, your deal with tr- the key to trust is having a childlike faith. The key to your trust issues is trusting like those boys just did. That's the direction you need to move your heart. Universal direction. Here's the question. As it relates to your everything, how hard you work, how you try to maximize your potential, how you manage your own, and I'm being self, uh, describing myself here, my own progress addiction. Anybody relate to that? Getting better. What are you trying to prove? And, and who are you trying to prove it to? Why? Important. Why are you doing it? Why are you so focused, so passionate? Why? Important questions. And here's the question. Is being loved by Jesus enough? We all have within us, and I, I saw this in another film this weekend on Netflix. I recommend it to ever, everyone. The, it's for adults, adults. It's called The Heart of Man. And it... it it postulates that all of us at the deepest core are simply looking for approval from our Father in Heaven. And I wonder if His loving you is enough. Can that be enough? So that you're not addicted to progress, you don't have other things you worship, you're free like a little kid. Step number two. Step number one was the starting the heart of trust. Step number two is receiving the love of Christ. You have, to, you have to ask the right person. And I don't know if you can relate to being the kind of person that likes other people's opinion, wants input, you're a lifelong learner. You've got to be willing to ask the right person for who you are. Who is it that's going to help you know who you are, know your own identity? That person is Jesus. Jesus looked at this man and loved him. Isn't that awesome? He loved him. He loved him. Jesus looks at us, and he loves us. And that, from his standpoint, should be enough. That should fully satisfy. That should meet our deepest needs. <clears throat> Did you see this? And I've told it many times, and some of you have maybe heard it many times. Billy Graham's daughter. But it bears repeating because, to me, it speaks to the essence of who my father was and is. After 21 years, my marriage ended in divorce. I was devastated. I floundered. I did a lot wrong. The rug was pulled out from under me. My family thought it'd be a good idea for me to move away, to get a fresh start somewhere else. So I decided to live near my older sister and her family and near a good church The pastor of that church introduced me to a handsome widower, and we began to date fast and furiously. My children didn't like him, but I thought, you know, they were almost grown. 
They didn't know what they could, they couldn't tell me what to do. I knew what was best for my life. My mother called me from Seattle. My father called me from Tokyo. They said, honey, why don't you slow down? Let us wait to get to know this man. They had never been a single parent. They had never been divorced. What did they know? So being stubborn, willful, and sinful, I married a man, this man, on New Year's Eve. And within 24 hours, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake. After five weeks, I fled. I was afraid of him. What was I going to do? I wanted to go talk to my mother and my father. It was a two-day drive. Questions swirled in my mind. What was I going to say to Daddy? What was I going to say to Mother? What was I going to say to my children? I'd been such a failure. What were they going to say to me? You, we, we're tired of fooling with you. We told you not to do it. You've embarrassed us. And let me tell you, you women will understand you don't want to embarrass your father. You really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. <laughs> and many of you know that we live on the side of a mountain. And as I wound myself up the mountain, I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway, and my father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and he said, welcome home. There was no shame, there was no blame, there was no condemnation, just unconditional love. And you know, my father was not God, but he showed me what God was like that day. When we come to God with our sin, our brokenness, our failure, our pain and our hurt, God says, welcome home. And that invitation is open for you. Thank you, and God bless you. Yeah, I, I thought that was the moment of the whole service. So th the question that kind of I've been asking is, all right, you know, all of us are experiencing varying degrees of challenge right now. Some people I, I know and, are, and am praying for are really facing some tough seasons. They're in a tough season right now. It's life-threatening. And uh, so what I'm about to say can sometimes be hard to even hear. And then others of us are enjoying the, the pinch-yourself moment in our life. It's like things couldn't be better. I don't want them to change. Anybody in that, in that place? It's like loving life. <laughs> don't want to jinx it. I, I feel like I'm, I'm there. But when I, when I get into this kind of progress addiction, this kind of... Uh, potential maximization mode that kind of becomes all about me um, I or self-management of any sort, I, I wonder, hey, Scott, is, is God's love enough for you? Just his love alone. I mean, forget how maybe your, uh, some of your expectations may or may not be met at certain times. Maybe your um, your finances aren't exactly what you'd like. Um, uh, maybe your lawn is not as green as your fertilizer says it should be. Um, whatever it is, is God's love enough right now? Is it enough? This young man w had the gaze of not just the historical Jesus of Nazareth. If you have an understanding of who Jesus is, 
he he is the one that was a part of the creation team of, of Genesis 1. He was the one in the beginning. He's having a conversation with the one who created him in his mother's womb. And he's caving because he feels this unhealthy attachment to his stuff. And yet the one who gave him all of his stuff is right before him. He's talking to the Warren Buffett, not really, of the first century. He's talking to the Bill And what I wonder is if maybe you've got something that for you is everything, his love in your life. Jesus would say is causing you to lack his love in your life. Just his love alone. I mean, let me ask, do you think it's possible for somebody here in Natomas to live on very little meager means to actually have lost family, to be in a very um, early stage job, having to start all over again, and be full of the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, and the character of Jesus, because they're fully satisfied with God's love. Do you believe that's possible? Yeah. So, are you experiencing it? Good, David. So that, that's, that's kind of where I'm headed. Here's the devil knows your name. And he, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He just loves you. And I, I love this line. The devil makes slaves out of kings. God makes kings out of slaves because of his love. His love. I, I've, I've reasoned this week, week that, man, the next season of my life, I get to just grow in his love. I get to just learn more and more about his love. I get to grow more and more in understanding how much he loves me and watch what he's going to do. And it might not all be stuff that I enjoy, but it's going to be him. I get to have his presence with me. I asked my mom this week. I said, I I get to be with my mom five or six days a week. And I asked her, I said, Mom, I got to ask you. I find myself kind of like always wanting to be challenged more, do more. She said, I know, you've been talking about this for a couple years. I'm like, really? She said, you know what, Scott, through your journey, it's been hard. You, got mar- you, you had some disappointments as a kid. You got married young, 20. You've been married 30 years, and now things are easier. Why not just enjoy them and quit, you know, just enjoy them and be cautious because they can slip away. And, what they, and I really appreciate it. I went home and told my wife, and my wife's, of course, been telling me that for the last two years, but you have to hear it from somebody else, right? Sorry, ladies, I, just the way we're wired. And I just, I just thought, yeah, I get to, my next season is enjoying the Father's love. Does that not sound like Christ? Just enjoying His goodness. Jesus looks at you and loves you. Is that enough? One of my friends says it this way, I'm not always going to be a husband, I'm not always going to be a father, or a, whatever your career is, but I'm always going to be a child and a son of God. Always. If you're in Christ, your forever means always a child, always a son. So let's live there now. Number three, the challenge of trust, fighting the battle of stuff. Do the right thing, win the battle of stuff. One thing you lack Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. First, let me dismiss something that one of my family members actually asked me when I was a teenager. 
I struggle with this passage that you have to give everything up to be a Christian. Let me tell you, I can only think of one person in, the, in, the, in, in Jesus' narratives that gave up everything to follow Jesus. Only one person, and it was the widow. She gave out of her last might. So it's not a mandate. If you're thinking that, let me be very clear. Following Jesus does not require selling everything. Okay? It does require making him everything. Does that make sense? <clears throat> He says, one thing you lack. That one thing was his everything. His, stu- his thing, his everything was his stuff. So Jesus, this is William Barclay, very good commentator on the New Testament. So Jesus confronted him with a challenge. In effect, he said, get out of this moral respectability. Stop looking at goodness and consist- as consisting of not doing things. Take yourself and all that you have and spend everything on others. Then you will find true happiness in time and eternity. Jesus simply wanted him to reallocate what he was doing. Think this. He had an opportunity to join Jesus' team. Jesus said, follow him. And you know, Jesus might have been thinking, hey, I've got 12 disciples here. One of them is not, is not the number one choice. I'd love to have a replacement for him. Right, Judas? <laughs> this guy was struggling with his stuff. This guy was struggling with his stuff. This guy had that smeagly attitude. The precious, right? He wanted his precious. I can't do that imitation very well. Can anyone do that very well here today? A good precious imitation? Anybody? Brian, I hear you're pretty good. Can you do a good one? Come on up here and give us one. Come on. Brian is an imit. You wouldn't know this about him, but he's pretty good at imitation. Come on up here. You, got you need a mic. You need a mic. Grab a mic. Is that the right mic? Check, 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 check. This is the right mic. Okay, go ahead, Smeagly. Give us a little precious. <clears throat> All right. We want it. <laughs> we want the precious. Yeah! <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. I'm scared to death. <laughs> It, we can have, but think about what is the precious that we want? What is your precious? Are you with me? What is your precious? Jesus wants your precious to be his love for you. <laughs> that in of itself. How many of you are still freaked out by that? What you just experienced? <laughs> yeah, a little fun, okay? The one thing we secretly worship more than him. These are just a few options. A relationship, a child, a career, a reputation, a retirement plan. Anybody got another one? Something else? Cell phone? Oh, totally. Oh, that. how many of you are like, oh, I did not need to hear that one? <laughs> yeah. Another one? Xbox. PS3. PS4. The Precious. What else? All right, no one else wants to. Yeah, we're good with that one, huh? All right, so here's, the issue here is not our stuff. The issue is the Lordship of Jesus. Is is. Jesus wants to be Lord. He wants to be master of your life. He wants to be the one that you look to as your leader. It's a relationship with him. And we're going to give you an opportunity to be public about that in a couple weeks. We're having baptisms in two weeks. That's your moment to say to yourself, 
uh, to love yourself, to love God and love others and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be the leader of my life. I want to be public about this. And in the, new, in the scriptures, when the early church placed their faith in Jesus, they were baptized on the spot. And they were dunked. And they were dunked because it was, it was symbolic of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And if you've not done that, I encourage you today. Let me know on, on your... Um, let me know on your connect card. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in being dunked. Leave us a way to contact you, and we'll text you or email you and tell you about our class coming up uh, next Sunday, and you can learn a little bit more. And you can join tens of other people that are being baptized on Easter Sunday. Does that sound fun? Your, your everything might be, you know, what others are going to think. Maybe you're embarrassed. Just... Uh, let it go and let him love you in this experience that he himself actually did. Did you know that Jesus was dunked? Another challenge we're giving you to help make certain Jesus is your everything is I shared with you that um, we're going to do a silent special offering on Easter Sunday. And what that means is these envelopes will be in our programs, but we're not going to mention it. And what we're trying, what I'm aware of is that Though we've been um, under budget and spending as a congregation for, the, for our fiscal year, which starts in August, we have seen, we don't know if it's a trend, but we saw our giving uh, come down a little bit, 10% in December, and I saw it come down 20% in January. And so what I'm trying to do, I don't know that we have a trend. I think I got to wait till I see February reports before I have a trend, but what I want to make certain is that we're, we're prepared for the long haul. I don't want to, like, next September be, ah, you know. In fact, I wouldn't do that anyways, but I want to plan ahead. Does that make sense? And so what I want to challenge adventurers to do is to do one of two things, to do a one-time gift. Maybe it's the first gift you've ever given. And do a confidential gift. All you're giving here is confidential. And help us with, here's, here's what we're doing. We've been praying for the right team here, and God's provided we have a new worship artist who can do Smeagly. We've got or Smeagle. We've got we've got a great youth pastor who's doing dodgeball tonight. We've got a children's director and her assistant Emily who provided an incredible evening last night. Was that not just something you want to do more of? It was crazy. And so these are just so you know, we all work full time. Our salaries are all paid by adventurers, and uh, so we lean on God to be generous through you. And I, and I also want to see us continue to be able to do what we do. We're building a tiny house out back. We're for the homeless. Actually, we're going to build two. We're involved in this community big time. We just want to see God continue to, as we're faithful with what he provides, continue to be generous through adventurers. And generosity is one of the marks of people that come here. And I just want you to pray about maybe making a one-time gift or actually starting to give systematically and regularly. And I know that might totally freak you out. I remember the first time when I became a Christian as a kid, this guy introduced me to the concept of tithing. I was only 18 years old, and I had inherited some money, and I thought he was part of a cult. I'm like, what are you talking about? I thought, you are serious? And, and I was like, oh, my word, it just freaked me out. Anyways, and it's not a rule in the New Testament, tithing, but it is, a, it is, it is I think, a, a goal and what I want to challenge you to, maybe some of you will start tithing for the first time. That means giving a, a 10% of your net or gross income. I know that to you right now. You might think, 
Why did we come this morning? But listen, it's such a freeing thing to do. And let me tell you, it's a whole lot easier to do when you're not making much money. Okay, so if you're young, start now. Because <laughs> when you get older and you start making more money, it's like, <laughs> right? How many of you are uncomfortable right now? Just raise your hand, okay? Here's the deal. I, I have our elders' approval on this. We believe, we know the scriptures teach, God says, test me in your tithe, and I will open up the heavens. You start tithing to God, and if he doesn't bless you, let us know, and we'll give you your money back. I'm serious. If he doesn't bless you, and I won't know that you do it, I don't see the giving here, but put him to the test. It's one area where he says, test me, and we'll give you, yep, we will. So that's coming up. What, um, someone asked me, are you looking for like a number? Do you have a goal? Here's what I want, participation. I just want to see folks start to become owners here. I want us to become a whole group of people who love Jesus And even though we love our stuff, nothing wrong with enjoying your stuff. It's not more important than Jesus. That's it. Cool? Cool? So there's some challenges. One more challenge I want to give you. We're talking about receiving Jesus' love as being everything, all we need. And yet sometimes in raising families, being a, a parent, especially a parent of a blended family, a sibling, a mother, that's hard. And we have a conference coming up called Blended and Blessed. I want you to think about taking out the registration information and signing up for that. If if it's cost prohibitive, let us know. We'll we'll make a way for you. But I was raised in a blended family, and I have two stepdads. Both of them come to church here. Is that that real enough for you? They both do, with my mom. They don't don't sit together, but usually. (laughs) Here's the deal. Our family's blessed. I want you to have that. All right, so consider attending that coming up. Some challenges. Let me genuinely close with this story I never heard of. This is a modern, this is not a modern day. This is a 20th century example of a rich young ruler. 1904, William Bill Borden graduated from Chicago High School. We got a Chicago guy here this morning. Graduated from Chicago High School in 1904. He was the heir of the parents who, who invented condensed milk and evaporated milk. Okay? He was in the early 20th century a billionaire. And he, his parents gave him, their, his high school graduation gift was a trip around the world. So he went to Asia, the Middle East, and India. And uh, when he left, he told... He wrote to his friends, and he said, I think God's calling me to be a missionary. And his friends said, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard anyone make. And he wrote in his Bible, no reserves. Then when he got back, he started his freshman year at Yale University. He actually started a Bible study with one of his friends. By his senior year, check this out. Some of you have high academic ability His senior year, he was leading 1,000 of the 1,300 students in Bible study on campus, Yale. Remember, Yale was started to raise up preachers. We forget that. And then upon graduation, he was given a big job opportunity. He declined it because he wanted to be a missionary. And he wrote in his Bible, no retreat. No reserves, no retreat. 
to start his, his, he had focused on a group of people he wanted to reach in China, Muslims. And he was giving all of his wealth away. And before he went to China, he wanted to study Arabic um, with a renowned Muslim teacher in Egypt. So he went to Egypt to study at age 25. He contracted spinal meningitis and died at the age 25. And he wrote in his Bible, no regret, right before he died. We sometimes wonder, what if we give Jesus everything? What would he really do with our lives? I say, this is what he would do. We would live a life of no reserves, no retreat, no regret, and we wouldn't lack anything because our everything would be him and his love alone. And we could be all by ourselves in Cairo, Egypt, writing in our Bible, no regret. That's how we want to live. Anybody interested in living like that? Maybe without the spinal meningitis right now? Okay, let's be honest. That's the, that's the kind, and what, what, is, what is Jesus asking for? Connor, come on up here again. Connor, Connor, come on up here again. Come on up here. Caleb, you come too. Come on up, run, run. You guys are fast, come on. You're very fast. Great soccer players, yes. Future Natomas, Tiger soccer players. Here's the deal. You know what Jesus wants from you? Trust. Well, I'm preaching here, bro. (laughs) Jesus wants, he wants you to trust him. Through everything. All right? Yeah, he does. He wants you to love. That was a good answer, actually. I just wasn't ready for it. You threw me off. All right? Hey, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. We know you so love the world. Thank you for this opportunity to really follow you in your love and help us accept the challenge that you've given us. How many of you this morning were challenged in baptism to to take that step and participate in adult baptism? If that was you, boy, I challenge you. Let let me know on a connect card. Put it in the offering at the end. Were others of you challenged maybe to give for the first time and start trusting God with your stuff? Because for you, that's tough. Maybe a first step for you. Maybe there's others of you that there's a relationship, a career. Maybe it's a it's that you're everything. Maybe it's a child or a or a sibling that's that you're everything. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to make Jesus your everything, that's what it means to be a Christian. I want to challenge you to just say Jesus today. I want you to be everything to me, everything. I'll fully trust you. If that's your prayer. Why don't you just pray it with me again? Jesus, I want you to be my everything. I want to fully trust you like a child. 